0: Well, we're gonna jump right into, uh, into our lesson today. The title of this lesson is The Good, the Bad, and the Ugly, or The Hurt, the Fearful, and the Passive. I had a really cool intro that was going to tie the movie in with my lesson, but as I was working on my lesson, my lesson kept getting longer. So I cut out the intro, so now we just have a lesson with a weird title. So we will just move on from there. The good, the bad, and the ugly, or the hurt, the fearful, and the passive. Because good people get hurt. It's bad when we're bound in fear, and it's ugly when we're spiritually passive. We've been in a series called Meant for More, and we've been studying 2 Timothy chapter one. And if you read 1 and 2 Timothy, you're gonna see a dichotomy of what was going on in, in Timoth- Timothy's life. First Timothy, it's all about teaching a, a young pastor, a young minister how to do church work, how to identify leaders. And it's very encouraging, it's very upbeat, but when you get to 2 Timothy, you realize the mood has changed just a little bit. It's now Paul reminding Timothy of who he is, and why he was left in Macedonia in the first place. I mean, in Ephesus in the first place. And a hint to the trouble that was going on is in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 and 2. And it says, But understand this, that in the last days there will come times of difficulty. Now understand this, that when... Paul was saying in the last days, he was not talking about 2,000 years later. He was talking about in the days that they were living in right then and right there because they believed they were in the last days. So he's saying, hey, in these days that we live, there will be difficulty. How many of you know it hadn't changed? There will be difficulty. Why? For people will be lovers of self. Now, there's a long list right after that. You can read that yourself. I don't want to read the list, mostly because we read the list and go, oh, I'm not doing that, I'm okay. Right? As long as I'm not doing anything on that list, I'm okay. But what I want you to understand is that in these days, people are lovers of self. People are selfish. Verse 4. It says, they will be lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having the appearance of godliness but denying its power. They will be lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Now let's take off our our little religious masks and realize that Paul was talking about us. He wasn't pointing his finger at other people. He was saying, hey, in these times of difficulty, people will be lovers of themselves. They will love pleasure more than they will love God. They will have a form of godliness. They will have an appearance of godliness. They'll show up for church most of the time. They'll come one out of every two or three weeks. They'll raise their hands at the right time during the song. But they're not allowing the power of God to true, truly change who they are, how they think, and how they operate. I think that encompasses all of us at times. I'm not throwing stones, you know what? Because I'm part of that as well. So here is Timothy. He, he was left in Ephesus by Paul to train the church, to raise up leaders, to be a pastor there in Ephesus. And I believe just like all of us, he started well. We're good at starting things, aren't we? We're good at starting diets. We're good at start, starting to work out. But then day two comes. Right? Well, I worked out once. Once. And all I got was sore, and I didn't lose 30 pounds immediately. Must not be working. Right? Here's Timothy. First Timothy was written somewhere around 62 A.D. And 2 Timothy was written anywhere from one to five years later. So sometime after Paul had had left Timothy and written him this letter about, hey, here's the things that you need to be doing to be a good pastor, to raise up leaders in the church, to make sure things are going well. He's having to write him another letter and going, hey, you need to remember why you're there. You need to remember who you are and why we left you there. But we see that things weren't going the way that Timothy wanted them to go. And Paul had to tell him, hey, in these days, there's going to be people that would rather minister to themselves than minister to God. There's going to be people that are more concerned about their own pleasure than about what's going on in the church. They're going to be more concerned about what makes me feel good than that there are people that need to be saved, healed, and set free. So things haven't changed, have they? See, the only one that laughs is the other pastor. <laughs> I'm not leaving you out, Corey. <laughs> Why? Because that can discourage us too. So here's Timothy. He's had this, this part, this, this discouragement. And Paul begins to address some of these things in chapter 1. 2 Timothy chapter 1. And here we start with good people get hurt. You know good people get hurt doing kingdom work? Good people get hurt sometimes doing exactly what God has called them to do. In 2 Timothy... Chapter 1, verse 5, Paul says, I'm reminded of your sincere faith. And in the very next verse, he says, for this reason. For what reason? For the reason that Timothy had a sincere faith. Timothy truly wanted to do the work of the Lord. Timothy truly wanted to be who God had called him to be. And Paul was saying, hey, I've seen your sincere faith. And because of that reason, let me remind you to fan into a flame the gift of God which is in you. The New American Standard says, kindle afresh. Kindle afresh the gift that is in you. Now, it is very obvious if he's having to kindle afresh or if he's having to fan something back into a flame, something has started to die out. You following me? So Paul was reminding Timothy of who he was. He was stirring up the calling of God in his life, and he was reminding him of the dreams that God had put in his heart. And once again, we're good at starting things. We're all excited about something new. We're all excited about this opportunity that God has given us to do something. This is all of us. We're going to learn from Timothy. Anybody that has ever been on a mission trip knows you get all stirred up while you're on the mission trip. But then you come home. And what potentially may happen is, because I was so focused on what I was doing during this time I was on missions, I was so focused, and I had such a, an open opportunity to pray for people and to see people changed. Man, I really got stirrup. Why? Because it was connecting with who you are in God. But then we come back. American food calls us. There's nothing that will draw you closer to God than third, word, third world food at times. Although I know they ate well. You get back in your pattern. You get back in your routine. And the passion that was way up here, it just begins to subside. And here's Timothy. He was so excited about starting this work. He had such an opportunity to start this work, but things weren't going the way that he expected them to go. There were some unfulfilled expectations in his heart. And he had allowed the dream to start to dwindle. What is the dream in your heart? If you're sitting in this room this morning and you have a relationship with Jesus Christ, you have giftings, you have callings, and there's a dream that God has put in your heart to do something for the kingdom. What is the dream in your heart? Maybe there was a time when it, when it burned more brightly. Maybe there was a time when, when you were more excited about it, but because of unfulfilled expectations. That dream... Has just not burned as brightly as it used to. So this morning, we're going to give you the same advice that Paul was giving Timothy stir it up again, fan, fan the flames, A kindle afresh the gift, the calling, the dream of God that he put inside of you. Because it's not about those of us that stand up here. The real work of the kingdom gets it done when we walk out of here. But hurts do come. Lisa's mom and dad, my wife Lisa... As they say, my better half, and everybody that knows me knows that is true. (laughs) I expected a lot more amens than that. (laughs) Lisa's parents were hurt in church. Don't let me shock you. There have been people that have been hurt in church. I know. Lisa's parents were hurt in church. They went to a small church. They were they were engaged in this church. They had positions in this church. They were very close to the to the pastor and the pastor's wife. Then some other people came in and things kind of shifted. And they got hurt. Hurts are going to come. It's what we do after the hurt. Because when I first met Lisa's mom, you would have thought that this church hurt happened maybe a week or two before I met them. Then I realized it was years before. And Lisa and I were married for close to 20 years before her mom died. And she never allowed the Lord to heal the hurt. So, for 25 or 30 years of her life, she was hurt, she was bitter, she was broken. But what really happened was the enemy neutralized her. Because she had gifts and she had callings and she had a dream in her heart to do something for the kingdom of God. And it wasn't fulfilled because of hurt. How many of us know people like that? So we can either hold on to hurt and continue to sour in our soul or allow the Lord to use it. Yes, use the hurt. To free us, to teach us, to strengthen us. Here's a scripture that doesn't get used a whole lot. Hebrews 5, verse 8, out of the New Living Translation, says it this way. Even though Jesus was God's son, he learned obedience from the things that he suffered. Jesus suffered (laughs) more than just on the cross. Yeah, we know he died on the cross for us. But it says Jesus learned obedience. Through the things that tried to come against him, Jesus learned obedience. By being obedient to the Father, he saw the kingdom of God advance. So if Jesus learned obedience through the things that he walked through, and we've been called to be like Jesus, it might seem possible that we could learn some things through the things that we suffer as well, right? And if we will begin to look at it this way, and hey, I know we're human. I understand we're human. Nobody jumps up and down the moment that that you you try to use your debit card and they reject it, and you go home. And you go, whoo. <laughs> ain't no money in there right but when we come and there are tests and there are trials and there are temptations we have an opportunity to do one of two things react in fear or to do as James 1 2 says get joyful That didn't even seem to make sense, does it? Get joyful. That's what it says. You can look it up. James 1, verse 2. It says, count it all joy when you fall into different tests, trials, and temptations. Because the trying of your faith works patience or endurance. Once again, we're good at starting something but are we good at following it through? Are we good at allowing the Lord to take us on this journey because he has an end result. He has a goal at the end of you being more like him, being a better representative of the kingdom, being a little bit less self-centered and more people-centered. But that kind of training usually comes with a little I mean we would all love to have big muscles and not have this, right? That didn't come easy, does it? We would all like to have I would love to. We went to Costa Rica 5 years ago. I took a team to Costa Rica. And you know what I said when I was coming back? I'm going to learn Spanish because I'm going to go back and I'm going to be able to speak Spanish in Costa Rica. Five years later, how much more Spanish do you think I can speak than I could speak five years ago? I can still say taco, burrito, enchilada. I can order good at a Mexican restaurant. But I don't speak any more Spanish. Why? Because that would have taken work. Yeah. Yeah. It would have taken some endurance. It would have taken pushing through some things. But I would have learned. So when you come up against a test, a trial, a temptation, when something is going on, don't push back. Don't run away in fear. Our heart needs to be, okay, God, I may not like this situation, but what can I learn from it? How can I grow? How can I be closer to you? And guess what? You have that heart. The enemy can't touch you. He's throwing these things at you because he knows how you will react. If he realizes every time that he throws some kind of financial situation at you, you give more, he's going to stop doing that. Because he doesn't want you giving more. Y'all tracking along with me here? So if we have this revelation, and the enemy can't touch us, but if we continue in hurt, it will cause us to operate in fear brings us to our next point it's bad when we are in fear the opposite of love is not hate it's fear it's fear first john 1 4 tells us that if we're operating in it's because we're not following love and paul tells timothy the same thing in second timothy 1 7 he told him that god has not given us fear but he's given us the power of love. Love causes us to act boldly and in a non-self-centered fashion. What's best for the kingdom? Because you know what? What's best for the kingdom is not always going to make me the happiest. I'm, I'm just going to be honest with you. What's best for the kingdom does not always make me the happiest, but it has the best result. Fear causes us to try to control situations or hide from situations. In Romans chapter 1, we have uh, Paul teaching. And I want to look at a couple of scriptures here. Usually, when these these scriptures are used, it's used to prove that even though somebody that lives in the deepest, darkest Africa, if they've never heard of Jesus, that they're still responsible. Or it's used to point out that uh, uh, wrong behavior gets wrong results. But if we really look at what Paul was talking about, I think once again we'll see us, because we're good at pointing at everybody else, aren't we? There's something wrong with you. I'm good. In Romans 1, 21, it says, Yes, they knew God, but they wouldn't worship Him as God or even give Him thanks. They began to think up foolish ideas of what God was like. As a result, their minds became dark and confused. Now, once again, if we're looking at this looking for somebody else, because it goes through that they built uh, gods for themselves out of stone and metal and wood, and we say, well, I I don't do that, so I'm good. But if we really look at what Paul is trying to, to express through the Holy Spirit, what he's saying is, although they knew God, they didn't worship God, they put something else up as God. And you may not have... a a, a god at your house made of stone or wood or metal. But you know what we do at times? We take those hurts and we make gods out of them. We worship them. We protect them. We watch out over them. And the way that we worship is fear. Fear. The way that we worship is fear. And I can prove this is that we do this because it says they begin to think up foolish ideas of what God is like. What do we do when we get hurt? God's mean. Why would God do this to me? Why would God let this happen to me? we start we start building up in our in in our mind in our soul in our emotions foolish ideas of what god is like god must be this because this happened to me we think we're making wise choices Because it says that as a result, their minds became dark and confused. You ever felt confused? You ever felt like there was just a cloud hanging around you? I have. And why is that? Because I was doing the exact same thing that they were doing. I was not giving God thanks. I was not worshiping him for who he was. I was not saying that the power of God is stronger than what I'm going through. And I begin to make up foolish ideas of what God was like based on my experience, based on my hurt, not based on the Word of God, which does not change. Because if we're going to worship a God like that, guess what? God's the best when everything's going good. Man, I love Him today. Hallelujah. Right? And then I'm not so happy with Him when things aren't going right. We think we're making wise choices, but we're really making choices that, that are coming out of the hurt and out of the fear. And it's an attempt to protect ourselves. But it's really foolishness because it denies God's power of love. Now in Romans one twenty two, the very next verse, says claiming to be wise. Have we ever made decisions? Have we ever done anything based out of hurt? What's best for me? Track along with me. Claiming to be wise instead became utter fools. Sometimes we think we're making decisions based on what's best for me, or there is a hurt, or I'm going to do something out of fear. And God's saying that you think that was a wise choice? but it's really made you foolish because our decisions need to be based on what God is saying what God is doing alone now let me show you something that Greek word there fools the Greek word there is more I know kind of sounds like more I know right more I know I know more I know better. The literal translation of that word, even though it's translated fools right here, is to lose flavor. To lose flavor. So, in other words, it could be translated claiming to be wise, instead, they lost their flavor. It is the exact same word that is in Matthew chapter 5, verse 13, that says, You are the salt of the earth, but what good is salt if it has lost its flavor? Or, what good is salt if it has become foolish? If it's not doing what it was created to do. When we get... Well, When we glorify the hurts, and I know we wouldn't say we glorify the hurts, but we do. Because every time somebody asks you how you doing, oh, let me tell you what's going on in my life. We glorify hurts. When we glorify the hurts, and we begin to make decisions, fear-based decisions. A fear-based decision is, I'm not talking about terror, I'm talking about something, oh, I might not get something. I need to hold on to something. Or I'm not, I'm not going to let somebody get close to me because they may hurt me. That's a fear-based decision. The word here says that when we do those things, we become foolish. We lose our flavor. We have forgotten our purpose. We've forgotten our purpose. And this is exactly what Paul's talking about as as we move into the the third point here. Paul's addressing this with Timothy. He says, it's ugly when we're spiritually passive. You see how we're moving here? It's the hurt. And we allow the hurt to fester to a place that we begin to make fear-based decisions, and those fear-based decisions cause us to lose our flavor, cause us to become Foolish, cause us to not be who God created us to be. In 2 Timothy 1.8, Paul tells Timothy, So never be ashamed to tell others about our Lord. And don't be ashamed of me either, even though I'm in prison for him. With the strength God gives you, be ready to suffer with me for the sake of the good news. Look and see what's going on here. Because of unfulfilled expectations, Timothy had forgotten who he was. He had become foolish. And it had caused him to pull back. And Paul's even having to tell him, hey, stop being ashamed of the gospel. Stop being ashamed of who you are. Stop being ashamed of proclaiming who Jesus is. My dad, when I was in the fifth or sixth grade, became a pastor, took over a little bitty church. It was a little bitty church. I hated it. I did. I hated it. I'm not going to lie to anybody. There's about 25, 30 people in that church. I hated it. But he took over this church. And he, 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 he put his heart and soul into it. And we were in a rented building. Two, three, four, I don't, I don't even remember now. A few years later, they sold the building out from us. Beforehand, my dad would study the Word. I can remember as a kid going and sitting in the door while my dad was studying. And I just watched him, he's just pouring over his Bible, writing out his his message notes. And I can remember there in the fifth or sixth grade, even before I had a relationship with Jesus that was really mine, I was sitting there and I would watch my dad doing this and something would spark on the inside of me and I'm saying, I want to be just like my dad. I want to be a man of God. I want to preach. And he went from that, when they sold the church out from under him, it was a very poor church too. My family pretty much paid all the the rent, the electricity, and, and all that. We, we couldn't find some, someplace else that my parents could afford to carry. So the church just fell apart. And I saw my dad go from th- this man who did nothing. I don't remember him doing anything. He would come home from work, and he'd go straight to his study. All he did was get in the Word. He went from that to a man who would sit up to all hours of the night just watching television. Never did anything else. A few years after this had happened, he was offered another church. They actually came looking for him, offered him a church, and he, he, he took it at first. But about a week later, he called him back and said, no, I'm not going to do it. And I knew in my heart, that was, that was when um, I was in Bible college at that time, and I knew in my heart that that was a fear-based decision. And that he had pulled back And he'd lost his flavor. And my dad died never having gotten back into the ministry. Paul was trying to stop this in Timothy, Paul was encouraging Timothy to be strong in grace, to be a good soldier of Christ be diligent and an unashamed workman and in 2nd Timothy chapter 2 verse 20 and 21 Paul tells Timothy now in a great house there are not only vessels of gold and silver but also of wood and clay some for honorable use, some for dishonorable. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from what is dishonorable, he will be a vessel of honor, set apart, holy, useful to the master of the house, ready for every good work. Notice that it says if anyone cleanses himself, we play a part in this. We play a part in this. Because I'm telling you, good people are going to get hurt. You're going to get hurt trying to do what God has called you to do. I'm not trying to paint a bad picture of of the kingdom of God because this is the greatest privilege that we have, serving Jesus. But guess what? At times, people are going to reject you. good people are going to get hurt. It's what we do after that when the enemy offers you that opportunity to be hurt. So are you carrying around wounds from the past? Because I doubt anybody in here that spent any time in church in life has not had something. that adversely affected them? Are you carrying around wounds? Because it's bad when we're in fear. Have wounds caused you to react out of fear instead of love? Do you try to control the situation? We can control the situation through keeping people away from us. Or we can control the situation by, by being so angry that they stay away from us. We can control the situation by trying to manipulate people. You ever met this person? Oh, I got a prayer request. And they're going to tell everybody the prayer request because they need something. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm about $300 short this month. Well, let me pray for you. Yeah, I need to tell somebody else. And they're going to find that person that's going to give them $300. <laughs> that's manipulation. And it's ugly when we become spiritually passive. Have you lost your flavor? Have you lost your flavor? The good news is, we can kindle afresh. Good news is, the gifts and callings of God are without repentance. God doesn't change His mind. We just need to stir, back up what God has put in us. You believe that? Stand up with me. So this morning we can choose... To be a vessel of honor. We can choose to be useful for the master. We can choose to be ready for every good work. But we have to choose to allow the Lord to heal us of hurts. We have to choose to walk in freedom and not in fear. And we have to have the boldness to say, you know what? I have backed up off of the call of God. I don't want to be unflavorful. Even if you are carrying around hurts, all we have to do is say, Lord, I'm giving this to you. I'm giving it to you as an offering. Even if we have been making fear-based decisions, selfish decisions, decisions that weren't benefiting the kingdom, they were benefiting me we can repent of that. And if there's a dream in your heart and it hasn't been burning brightly, let's stir that up again. You know where you are and the Holy Spirit knows where you are. And if anything that I've said this morning has touched some place in your heart, You receive from the Lord what you need because that's who he is.